Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Amen. Well, we're so glad you're here on Palm Sunday. And I want to remind you that next week, next weekend on Saturday and on Sunday is our Easter weekend. I want you to bring as many human beings as you can find. Bring them against their will. If they, if you have to kidnap them, if you have to use force, whatever you got to do, get them here in next Wednesday, the next Sunday. You ready to do that? I want us to pack this theater out. I want us to have to tear the pipe and drape down, and I want it to pack it full of people to hear the message of the kingdom of God through Jesus. Amen? Are you all awake this morning? Y'all with me this morning? So make sure you get as many people here next week. On Saturday, we have the Easter egg hunt. It'll be a, a lot of fun. It'll be a blast for the kids. Anybody can come. You don't have to be a member of the church. It's not just for our church people. It's for anybody and everybody. We've had numbers. We've had a vast number of people register their kids through our website, people that aren't members here, but they saw it online and they want to come be a part. Then we want to get them connected and coming back on Sunday morning. And then we're just going to go after God like we do. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's get into the Word. Let's go to the book of Genesis. I want to go to two places. Let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter number 21, and then we're going to go to Philippians, chapter number 3. The book of Genesis, chapter number 21, and then we're going to go to Philippians, chapter number 3. Did y'all enjoy Brandon McAlpine last week? Come on, tell him how good he did. Uh, We had every intention of being back. Um, Some Listen, we're from a small town. In Alabama. And we drove down there to sell our house. And when we got down there, none of the paperwork was ready. You would have thought they could have told a brother that on his way down. But no, nah, we'll just wait till you drive five hours with a two-year-old. And then you can drive back five hours with a two-year-old. And so we're still waiting on all of that to go through. But we had planned on being here. And last minute, I, I threw it to Brandon late Saturday afternoon and said, Brother, we've had some things happen with the house. We're not going to be able to be back. Can you handle it? And from what I hear, he did an absolutely fantastic job. Tell Brandon one more time what an awesome, awesome job he did. I get, I get a whole week to prepare a message. He had like four hours, all right, and so, so, so thankful that he could uh, f- jump in and, and fill in for me. All right, Genesis chapter number 21, then Philippians chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 21, I'm going to start with verse number 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born to him, whom Sarah bare to him, he called him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Dear God. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck for I have borne him a son in his old age. Brandon, can you turn me up a little bit wherever you're at? And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne to Abraham. She saw him mocking. Everybody say mocking. No, say it like you're Pentecostal. Mocking. 
When she said unto Abraham, wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight. Another translation says it caused great pain to Abraham because after all, it was his son. And God said to Abraham, don't let it be painful in your sight because of the lad, because of thy bondwoman and all that Sarah has said unto thee. Hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall your seed be called. Amen. Flip over to Philippians chapter number three. I'm going to read two verses to you, two very familiar verses. But there's a little uh, a little um, interesting portion of the text I want to bring out to you. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things that are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forth to those things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And the church said, Amen. I want to teach this morning on the subject, rebounding from regret. Rebounding from regret. You don't have to be a bad person to have made a bad decision. Isn't that good news? You don't have to be a bad person to have made a bad decision. Everybody in here, with the exception of none of us, at some point in our life, somebody has seen us not at our best. That's what I find so much comfort when I read the Bible, especially when I read the Gospels. I'm so thankful, and I've said this to you before, but I'm so thankful that the Bible is really honest about the vulnerabilities and the weaknesses of all the people that we look up to. I mean, they all had problems. Besides Jesus, they all had problems. I love the fact, it's really interesting, that whenever in the New Testament, whenever Jesus starts calling his disciples, he calls a man named Peter. His actual name was actually Simon. The word Simon means water. It means unstable. It means unpredictable. Jesus calls him, and when he calls him, he was Simon. But later on in his life, Jesus changes his name to Peter, to Petros, meaning rock. Jesus took him from instability into stability. And it's really interesting, once you read through the Gospels, that at various times of Peter's life, Jesus would refer to him by either name. Sometimes he would say, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. And then at other times he would call him, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not come against it. And then sometimes Jesus didn't know how he would respond, so he'd say, Simon Peter. Because we've all got a little bit of Simon and a little bit of Peter living at us all at the same time. Take off that Sunday morning face. Quit looking at me. We've all got a little bit of Simon, and we've all got a little bit of Peter. I've told you before, every family's got a little bit of crazy in it. Not only does every family have a little bit of crazy in it, every person has got a little bit of crazy in them. What, me? Yes, you. I've seen you in traffic going off. Knoxville's traffic's a whole nother thing, by the way. When the red light turns green, 
You have 0.000629 seconds to floor it before you're getting flipped off by the person behind you. Right? Everybody's got a little bit of Simon and a little bit of Peter. You don't have to be a bad person to have made a bad decision. Let me tell you how we end up making bad decisions. We end up making bad decisions when we make permanent decisions based on temporary situations. We make permanent decisions rooted out of temporary feelings. And so you start getting, I've seen it with Christians all the time, they start getting a little bit older and they're still single. So now they start getting a little bit lonely. Then they start getting a lot lonely. And then people that didn't look that attractive five years ago, all of a sudden is the one God sent for you. Have you ever noticed how time passes, people just lower their standards? You know, when they're 20 and they're not married, they're like, I want a man of God. When you're 35 and married, you're like, you got all your teeth. <laughs> Y'all help me preach this morning. It's like, I mean, you kind of, you never killed anybody. I mean, that's really the, at this point, as long as you've never been in prison. And maybe if you have been in prison, we could work something out. You just give me the details, but let's just do this thing, right? Because, uh, <laughs> you want me to be honest? Because adults don't date well. I ain't talking about when you're 20. I'm talking about when you're 35. Amen? And if you, th- I tell young people this all the time. If you think it's hard being single once, you should try being single twice. Man, it's quiet up in here, y'all. Did I show up at the right church? We make permanent decisions based on temporary situations. So we get lonely, and then boom, we pull the trigger and walk up into a marriage that we had no idea what we were doing, and then nine months later, we don't know what's going on, and everybody's looking around like, who saw that coming? Right? Permanent decision based on a temporary situation. I've seen people get divorced and split their family apart over temporary situations. Make permanent decisions that will scar their children for the rest of their life based upon a temporary situation. You hit a rough spot and didn't have enough endurance about you to keep plowing through it so you detonated your entire life. And now you have permanent consequences because of a temporary moment. You have to be careful not to make a permanent decision rooted in a temporary feeling. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I need you to help me preach that this morning. Has anybody in here ever made a long-term decision based upon a stupid season of your life? That's what Abraham finds himself in. We find Abraham, God speaks to him when he is Abram, and God tells him, I'm going to make you the father of a multitude. And I'm going to do it through your wife, Sarah. And because some time had elapsed and God had not come through on his promise, his wife told him, go get my maid, go get my servant, and you and her have a baby and we'll try to figure something out. Maybe this will be how God does it because that's another way we make a bad decision. When God doesn't come through when we wanted him to come through, how we wanted him to come through, we start taking on the role of God and trying to force God's will to come to pass in our life when really what Christians need to learn to do, this is going to hurt you and I'm about to cuss. We need to learn to wait. Sometimes you just have to wait on God. It is one thing to have the promise, but do you have the patience? 
patience that you need to wait until you inherit the promise. Because if you don't wait and you force God's will to try to come to pass in your life, you're going to give birth to an Ishmael that's going to spend the rest of your life mocking what God really wanted to do through you. You hearing what I'm saying? I know you've got the promise, but do you have the patience for it? That's why the Bible said after you've suffered a little while, then God can establish you. Oh, hallelujah. That's what happens when you're in the waiting. That's when God is crushing you and changing you and making you into the person that can stand up under the blessing that he wants to send to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got away. That's why the writer of Hebrews said this. This scripture always blowed my mind. He said, you have need of endurance for that after you've done the will of God, then you can receive the promise. He did not say you need endurance to do the will of God. He said, you need endurance that after you've obeyed and now you're waiting. If you have endurance, then you can wait and you can say only in God's time. Only in God's time. You know how many buildings we've thought about moving into? Right? I'm looking around all the time. Right? But God, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till the one that you have for us opens up. I'm not going to go around kicking doors. Because when I kick doors open that you didn't open, I find out you're not on the other side. I only want to walk through. I need somebody to help me preach it. I only need to walk through a door that you opened for me. I only need that spouse that you've got for me. I only need that job that you've got for me. I only need those church members that you've got for us. I don't need all the church members. I just need the right church members. Because I find your presence and your glory on the other side of it. you got to wait and because after you've obeyed God and God doesn't come through sometimes you feel like a failure but maybe what you call a failure God is calling a classroom Maybe God is teaching you in the waiting. Maybe there's some stuff on the inside of you that God's trying to get out of you in the waiting. Oh, hallelujah. I see this all the time in the church planning world that I live in. All of these, all they want to know is, how many did you have on Sunday? How many did you launch with? How many came back for the second service? How many groups you got? What if you don't have any and those church planners will call them a failure? Maybe you're not a failure. Maybe you're just have need of endurance. I watched an interview the other day with Bishop T.D. Jakes. Y'all know Bishop T.D. Jakes? Greatest preacher in America, bottom line. I, I will fight you on that. All right? Greatest preacher ever, in my opinion. Over 30,000 members in Dallas, Texas. $45 million debt-free paid for sanctuary. Glory to God. I wouldn't even be able to function. I don't even know what $45 million looks like in numeric form. I've never even written a number that big. For the first 10 years of his life, he never grew over 300. He was traveling the world preaching on national television and had one staff member and had $8,000 in his church bank account. And the church planning world today would say, that's a failure. But God would say, no, I'm building some endurance in him. So that after he suffered for a little while, then I can establish him. Because... When we try to get God's plan to come to pass our way, we end up birthing stuff that follows us around forever. And you know what we call it? Regret. 
you ever tried to accomplish something that only God could accomplish for you and you made a mess out of the whole thing? Think about it. Abraham was 86 when he had Ishmael. And he had to wait another 13 years before he had Isaac. Because when we get involved, we think that we're shortening the process, but in reality, we're prolonging it. You hear what I'm saying? That's why the Bible said those that wait on the Lord. You know that scripture you got all over your house? Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. There's something that happens when, he said, when you just learn to wait. Me and my family, we grew up in, uh, we used to show horses all the time. We used to ride horses and show horses all the time. And you have to teach a horse patience. You do not want to ride a horse that is not patient. I've ridden one. Being the cowboy that I am, I mean, look at me. You do not want to ride an animal that weighs 800 pounds and can kick you through three counties. You don't want to ride one that's impatient. So you know what we learned to do to teach it patience? They tied, this probably, this probably won't hurt your, you know, your animal rights, no beef, vegan feelings, but it's the way it is in Alabama. To teach it patience, we tied up. And we make it wait and wait and wait so that when we get on it and we want it to move, it will move where we want it to move instead of it moving where it wants to move. Because we know things about where we want it to go that it doesn't know yet. And so sometimes God will tie you up in a situation. I need somebody to help me. Sometimes God will tie you up in a situation, and you know what he's going to make you do? He's going to make you stand there and make you wait. Why am I still single? Why am I still believing for the promotion? Why am I still believing for the house to sell? Why am I still believing for the church building to come through? Why am I still believing? I'm going to tie you up in a situation, and I'm going to make you wait so that when I untie you, you will go where I'm leading you to go and not go where you want to go. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to put some patience on the inside of you so you can be established in God. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. Right? We don't like to wait. I can tell you, I, I, we, go, we go out to eat. Your food ain't there in eight minutes. You're freaking out. You ever seen people get upset over their cell phone? They're like trying to send a text and it don't send fast enough. They're like, oh my God. You're like, this is going into outer space and coming back. Could you give it a minute? Right? <laughs> I was on a plane one time. I didn't know they had Wi-Fi on planes. I was on a plane one time. They, had, they were announced they had Wi-Fi. I thought, this is fantastic. I didn't even know they had it. A guy sitting next to me. He was sitting there. And then the, 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 after the video talking about the Wi-Fi, the lady came on and said, we're sorry today that the Wi-Fi is down on the plane. And he went, this is, and then he used the, the Christian version of glory to God. I don't know if you know this or not, but unbelievers don't talk like believers. He said, man, this is glory to God. And I thought, that is interesting. We already feel entitled to something we didn't even know existed 30 seconds ago. Y'all with me? Already feel entitled to something that didn't exist 30 seconds ago. Why? Because we don't like to wait on God. And so my first piece of advice to you would be, don't jump the gun. 
maybe you're just maybe you've not done anything wrong. Maybe it's not the devil. Maybe it's not witchcraft, all the stuff. Maybe it's not a generational curse from great grandpa. Right? And maybe it's not even your own disobedience. We like to tell we tell people all the time, well, maybe God's permitting it. I don't believe God's permitting it. I believe God's orchestrating it. I don't think God's letting it happen. I think he's behind the whole business. And you know what he's making you do? Wait. But what do you do, Abraham? If you failed the waiting test, and now Ishmael's sitting at the dinner table with Isaac, and your past is mocking your future, <laughs> what do you do? Y'all with me? One of the things I love the most about the story is that God spoke to Abraham in the beginning. His actual name was Abram. And then he gave birth to Ishmael. And then after he gave birth to his mistake, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And this is what he was trying to communicate with him. Your, to him, your past decisions do not create a permanent identity for you. And as a matter of fact, every time in the future when God gets ready to talk to Abraham about Isaac, do you know what he calls Isaac? Your only son, Isaac. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was the, Isaac was the only son of Abraham. Ishmael was the son of Abram, but God rearranged and transformed his identity and he gave birth to what God originally called him to give birth to. And moving forward, God did not even acknowledge that Ishmael was in the picture. That's why I said, you take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love up onto the mountain. Because I, I, can't, I God transforms his name and tells him Ishmael and Isaac can't live together because Ishmael will always remind you of what was. That's why you have to get away from the crowd, the, the I knew you back when crowd. You ever have people that try to relive the old glory days when you weren't serving God and try to remind you what you were really like and now you start to live straight and walk right and serve God and they're like, who you think you are? That's why you gotta cut off Ishmael because Ishmael will always pull you backward but Isaac will not talk to you about your past. Isaac will talk to you about what's waiting on you. That's why he said, I'm gonna change your name because I'm changing your identity and your identity's not gonna be based on what you did. Your identity's gonna be based on where you're going. Listen to me. You you have to make a decision, and if you're ever going to rebound from regret, you've got to make a decision. You can either hold on to the past and let go of the future, or you can let go of the past and hold on to the future. But you cannot do both at the same time. You are a limited resource. There's only so much that you can do. There's only so much you can give. There's only so much energy that you can expend. There's only so much emotional capacity that you have. And you will either spend your life holding on to back then or you will let go of back then. But if you hold on to back then, you do it at the expense of what could be. That's why Paul says, I forget those things that are behind me. 
It is interesting that you got to look at the language. Paul said, I forget the things that are behind me. Why would you have to forget what is behind you? Because we have a tendency to remember what is behind us. And Paul is saying, I'm making a conscious decision that even though time has put it behind me, I don't need to just put it behind me chronologically. I've got to put it behind me in my own mind and in my own spirit if I'm going to stretch forth and reach for everything that God's got for me. I forget those things that are behind. One of the greatest things you'll ever learn to do is forget it. Learn from it. Grow from it. Don't forget the lessons, but you can forget the season. You don't have to forget the lessons, but you can forget the season. You have to, you have to, you have to come to a place. We're weird. We're weird. We're weird when it comes to this. When we've made a mistake, we feel like we have to forever punish ourselves. For what we did. That if May, you know, back in the day, there were Martin Luther, y'all know Martin Luther, birth, birth of the Reformation, these monks and these Catholic priests, they, 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 they engaged in something called asceticism. You know what that means? That means that they would physically uh, uh, harm their bodies because they thought it was pleasing to God. I, I know, you're like, what? They'd sleep on they'd sleep on hardwood floors and they would fast all the time and they wouldn't eat and they would pray on hardwood floors till their knees could barely function and they would try to wear holes out in the wood because the more their physical body ached, the more they thought God was pleased. Now, we do the same thing, just not physically. We do it emotionally. And so the more we beat ourselves up over it, the more we think God's pleased. And if we ever start to let ourselves feel a little bit of freedom or a little bit of liberty from it, we have to run back and remind ourselves of how egregious it actually was, the thing that we did. When God's trying to tell you, it's all, I've already put it behind you, you just got to learn to forget it. You, you, need, you need that teenage girl anointing, that forget it. I know I've got a teenage girl about to be, forget it. That, whenever she's trying to get something through to me, you know, she says, Dad, forget it. Except she don't do the hand. I'll, I'll break it off. <laughs> break it in right off. Forget that. You have to forget. Listen. <clears throat> forgiving other people is way easier than forgiving yourself. Forgiveness means you drop the charges. And everybody knows when Jesus was teaching about forgiveness, he said startling things like, if you don't forgive them, I won't forgive you. Right? And we preach that and we're like, oh, God, let me walk in forgiveness. Let me let it go. As I'm not offended and I'm not upset and I'm not holding it against them. And I've forgotten it. Me and you know you're both lying, but you're saying it anyway. I'm not remembering. I'm totally fine. I'm not offended. I'm totally fine. Not offended at all. See them in the grocery store and you act like you didn't, but. Ain't nothing like pulling up to the red light beside somebody you don't like. You're like, oh, hey, I just didn't know you were there. Devil is a liar. It's one thing to forgive other people. It's one thing to drop the charges, to look at them and say, I don't hold it against you. 
But can you look in the mirror and say, I don't hold it against you either. You made a mistake. You learned from it. You grew from it. But now it's time to forget it. That's what God's telling Abraham to do. He says, I want you to kick the boy out. Sarah says, I want you to kick the boy out. And listen to what God says. Listen to that woman. Now God, listening to that woman is what God is here to begin with. <laughs> Bringing Hagar up in the house wasn't Abraham's idea. <laughs> I don't know a woman alive that would bring Hagar up in the house. Can I at least get a hand clap on that from some? My God, women, you're like, whatever the Lord wants. Whatever. The devil is a liar. To quit trying to be holy. <laughs> he says, you kick that boy out because the son of the bondwoman, because your past cannot live with your future. Listen, and then the Bible says it grieved Abraham. It hurt. It hurt. Because sometimes even though it's a mistake, it hurts letting it go. You hear what I'm saying? Hurts. You know how many married couples I've talked to that there's infidelity in the marriage, and I will look at whichever spouse is being unfaithful, I will say there's, there's the, the first step to moving forward is this. You got cut it off Forever. They are dead to you forever. They don't exist. Get them out the phone. Get them off Facebook. Lose their email. Change your phone number. Delete it. Whatever you got to do, it's over. And you know how many times they look back at me and say, I know that's right. But it hurts. Because we're emotionally invested. Because we've... Cr because we've crossed some lines and we've gotten tangled up. And that's what Abraham's trying to tell God. I know this is what I've got to do, but it's not like it doesn't hurt. And then God looks at him and says, don't you be grieved, Abraham, because in Isaac your seed's going to be called. This is what he say. I know it hurts, but if you'll do the right thing, it won't hurt forever. I know that it hurts, but if it hurts, if you will be willing to do the right thing, it will not hurt forever because sometimes cutting it off means saying, means saying goodbye to some of the good and some of the bad, right? I've got a friend who recently went through a divorce. He's remarried, and now all of a sudden his ex-wife has showed back up wanting to reminisce about what it used to be like. And you got to say bye to some of the good. You have to say bye to what could be, what could have been, in order to embrace what God wants. How do you rebound from regret? You learn to forget. You learn to let go. You learn to be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm never going to think you're this person ever again. You are not identified by a bad season. You're not identified by an issue that you struggled with in your past. It was a season. 
it was not an indictment against you. Hearing what I'm saying? So what do you do, Abraham, when it hurts? You got to remember, in Isaac is where the promise is. And if you will do what God's telling you to do, what God does through Isaac will so overshadow the pain you feel now that you'll never even remember it was a thing. You hear what I'm saying? I've walked couples through restoration, and two years down the road, they will come out of it, and they'll say, I cannot believe I almost forfeited this for that. Oh, hallelujah. I cannot believe I almost sacrificed Isaac on the temporary pleasures of having an Ishmael. Stand up on your feet. You're awful quiet this morning, boy. It's all right. Did you hear something from God this morning? Forgetting those things that are behind. Whatever you're holding on to from back there, you're doing it at the expense of what God has waiting on you. You can't hold on to it and to destiny with both hands. And there will be people in your life that will come. Let me, tell you, let, me, let me say this real plain. If there's people in your life that constantly bring up your mistake, anybody know what I'm talking about? If there's people in your life that constantly bring up what you did, you need to run. You need to run. Even if they're right, you need to run. Because you're not Abram anymore. You're Abraham. You're not Sarai anymore. You're Sarah. A lot of you know, the story of Lindsay's shared her her story and the the season that she went through and we're all believing God this that and the other and God miraculously came through and worked still to this day the greatest miracle I've ever seen in my life and there are people to this day in her family that say you don't deserve to be doing what you're doing. Don't you remember? Five years ago, don't you remember? You know what she says? No. Because I forgot what God's already I forgot what God's already put behind me. See, we're not really in favor of parties for prodigals. When the prodigal son came back home, the father immediately restored him. You know what we say in the church? Well, now you need to sit down for 15 years and prove to all of us you're not going to make that mistake again. And then maybe we will deem you useful. And as soon as the boy almost halfway got home, the father met him and started throwing rings on his fingers and shoes on his feet and clothes around his back. 
What are you doing giving a ring to a boy that proved he already spent all your money? He already wasted everything you gave him, and you're putting rings back on his fingers. What are you doing? I'm forgetting what God's already put behind him. That's how you rebound from regret. And you don't have to spend the rest of your life paying the price for it either. That's a lie. That's a lie. And you need to get away from the people that the enemy's using to keep that lie in front of you. We're not in favor of parties for prodigals. Not in favor for that. If, I'm go, if I've got to pick a side to be on, if I've got to pick the side where either I'm going to cast you out or I'm going to extend grace and mercy to you, you find me on the side that's going to extend grace and mercy to you. You made a mistake. Let it go. Rebound from the regret. And that's what I came to tell you this morning. Some of you made some mistakes. Some of you still dealing with the consequences of some of those mistakes. I came to tell you, let it go. It's time to rebound from that regret. If you believe it, give Jesus a shout this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.